This is Radio Orbit, exploring the secrets of everything on KOPN Columbia. Good evening. 
And welcome to Radio Orbit. This is Mike Hagan. You're listening to it on KOPN Columbia, 89.5 FM, mid-Missouri's source for in-depth news, diverse talk, music of the world. It's more than radio. It's community radio. It's your imagination station on the dial, but off the radar, so to speak. And uh, this is Mike. For the next three hours, you'll be listening to Radio Orbit, and we do this every Monday from 11 p.m. until 2 a.m. in the morning. And uh, tonight, my guest will be Kent Stedman, the wonderful artist behind cyberspaceorbit.com. If you were listening last week, you heard Kent on briefly for about a half hour uh, during the show last week. And speaking of last week, uh, we had a little birthday party down here at the station, and it was really fun, and I had a great time. And thanks to everybody who came down and celebrated with us, and thanks to everybody out there listening and having a good time uh, enjoying it with us over the waves. So anyway, uh, also thanks uh, to all the guys that came down, uh, and girls actually, that uh, played music and sang and talked uh, on the air. Uh, thanks to Kent. As I said, he'll be on the air later tonight for a full two hours. We'll get him on the air, I don't know, probably sometime before midnight. Not sure exactly. We'll just see how this first hour rolls along. Uh, but uh, we're just going to do sort of a general, I don't know, uh, current events talk tonight. But sort of through the interesting lens of Kent Stedman. Kent's, for those of you who aren't familiar with him, he's sort of a mystic and a musician. And I consider him a wizard of sorts and uh, a very keen observer, if nothing else. And, yeah, uh, anyway, so uh, it was a great time again last week. So thanks to all of you, all right? All right, thanks for the... Uh, for the emails, as always, thanks and hello to everybody listening over the web. If you're not listening to the program live here in Columbia or in the mid-Missouri area and you're listening after the fact, thanks for uh, for tuning in over the web. Probably not going to talk about space weather until we get Kent on the air. He can add much to that discussion. So we'll wait and we'll do, spe- uh, we'll do space weather when we get Kent on the air. And so for a minute, well, let me, let me just, I'm sort of excited about some guests that are coming up. So let's talk about that real fast. And then we'll play a little music and uh, come back. I've got a few stories to talk about. And we'll get Kent Stedman on the air. And we'll talk about, well, just things that are going on in the world, out and about today. All right. Uh, Ralph Abraham, Dr. Ralph Abraham. We're not going to do a live show because it was... Uh, the hours just weren't favorable for Dr. Abraham, although I tried and tried to get him live. But at any rate, I'm going to do an interview with him next Monday, the 15th, and probably air it around the uh, second or third week of September. I want to air it right around the time that we have the Alex and Allison Gray uh, interview, two amazing artists uh, who will be on the program on the 5th of September. So anyway, we'll probably have... Uh, the interview with Dr. Abraham on either right before that or right after that show with Allison and Alex Gray. But that's going to be a great program with uh, Ralph Abraham. He's, of course, the chaos theorist from University of California at Santa Cruz and a man who in the 60s and 70s uh, was considered the guy uh, to sort of change the face of mathematics. And we're going to talk with him about lots of different things uh, that uh, are not 
or people that may, uh, people may not assume or understand are directly related to mathematics, but we'll talk about a lot of different things with Dr. Abraham that's coming up. Paradise Newland, uh, that's a name you may be familiar with. Uh, she's been on the air uh, a couple of times, accompanied by her partner and uh, fellow researcher, Dr. Michael Heisen. Although most of uh, the time we've been on the air with Paradise and Michael, we've talked about dolphins and whales. And the show that's coming up with Paradise, although we're, we'll, probably, uh, we'll probably get into uh, the cetaceous side of it, it's not going to be the primary focus of the show. Uh, the primary focus of the show is going to be water birth. And I'm really excited to do it. Paradise is sort of a, uh, an expert in this amazing field. And uh, it's not uh, just woo-woo. There's a lot of uh, measurable science behind uh, the things that are happening when babies are being born in water. So, uh, and then throw some dolphins into the mix, and then it gets really interesting, actually. But at any rate, we'll be talking with Paradise about that sometime in the next few weeks. Uh, Dr. Jeremy Narby, the anthropologist from Stanford, who uh, is also an expert on shamanism and intelligence in nature, the author of a number of books, including DNA, the Cosmic Serpent, uh, a book that really changed the way I looked at the world, actually, uh, a number of years ago when it was published and uh, still doing great work and really involved in uh, some forward-thinking ideas. Jeremy Narby will be on the program sometime between now and the Bioneers Conference uh, in the middle of October, which uh, uh, is another story that I probably won't talk about tonight, but I have some maybe interesting news about that coming up. And, uh, at any rate, Lucy Pringle who, if you listened to the show a year ago, and not many of you did probably, Lucy was on the program, and Lucy is a woman who invest, uh, investigates crop formations, primarily in the United Kingdom, but uh, she's a renowned around the world for her research. She's a private pilot, and she's also a fantastic photographer. And she's also a, uh, a wonderful researcher, and she's done some great work over the years, for many, many years now, probably going on 30 years, 20, 25 years for sure. I've uh, been studying this strange phenomenon of crop formations. And we, we talked with Lucy last August, and we're going to do the same thing probably in September of this year. But at any rate, I spoke with Lucy last week, and she's uh, agreed to be on the program again. And I'm really excited to talk to her because, although you wouldn't know it if you're being informed by the uh, typical uh, mainstream press, but the crop circle and crop formation phenomenon is in full swing in England again this year, and some of these things defy the obvious hoax uh, explanations. So anyway, we'll talk about all that stuff with Lucy Pringle in just a few weeks here. Vincent Bridges, we've talked about Vince Bridges. He is the co-author of A Monument to the End of Time with Jay Widener. Jay Widener, of course, was on the program just a few weeks ago. Vince will bring his own perspective to the, uh, the eschatological story of the cyclic cross of Hyundai, or Undai, in France, and the story of Fulcanelli and alchemy and the double catastrophe that was predicted 
by the alchemist Falconelli many years ago and written about in the book Mystery of the Cathedrals. So we talked about all that with Jay a few weeks ago, and uh, Vince Bridges will come on and we'll talk about that again. I thought it was such an interesting and astounding story that we should, should have uh, both authors on the, on, on the show. So that's coming up again. Vince probably in just the next couple of weeks. Jonathan Miller Weisberger, again, uh, an ethnobotanist living in Costa Rica who was on the program probably six months ago, something like that. His sister, Ladna, also doing wonderful work down there in the equatorial rainforest. And I'd like to get them on the show together. I'm trying to work this out. Uh, but it would be sort of a sister-brother presentation on uh, rainforest biodiversity, conservation strategies, that sort of thing. All right, uh, John Lash, of course, from metahistory.com and uh, the partner of Joanna Harcourt Smith in that endeavor. He'll be on the program sometime, hopefully before, again, before this Bioneers event that's going to be in October 14th, 15th, and 16th. And uh, John will be presenting there as well as uh, Jeremy Narvey and a number of other people who are going to be on the program before then. But anyway, hopefully uh, we can get John Lash on the program before the Bioneers conference in October. John DePue. Now, this is a real interesting guy, and this show we might do next week. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do next week yet, but if I can get John DePue to, uh, to agree to do the show a week from now on sort of short, short notice, even though we've agreed to do a program together, this will be sort of an interesting one. Listen to this. You may or may not be familiar with the story of Edward, uh, Edward Leedskalman. And let me tell you just a little bit about it. It's, it's pretty cool here. Edward Leedskalman was, he was a hundred pound guy, about five foot tall. He was an immigrant from Romania, I want to say. Uh, but anyway, he ended up in a place called Homestead, Florida, and had ten acres of land. This is uh, sort of south of Miami. And somehow this guy managed to single-handedly lift and maneuver blocks of coral that weighed up to 30 tons. And he created not only a castle, but all kinds of other things. And how Edward Leedskellen did this work has never been discovered. Uh, he did this for some 30 years. Uh, but nobody ever knew how he actually did this. And, and if you see the pictures, of, and it's called Coral Castle, is what it was named uh, after his death. And he wrote a lot of very strange things, too. Uh, a lot of sort of esoteric writings about power and energy and uh, magnetics and uh, stuff that would be considered hocus-pocus uh, in the eyes of reductionist scientists, uh, but worth a look nonetheless from the Fortean perspective, so to speak. So anyway, we're going to be talking with John DePue. He's a guy who thinks he has solved the so-called Coral Castle Code, and he thinks that he's figured out how Edward Leedsgallen actually built this place and how he was able to move these huge, uh, heavy stones and pieces of coral Literally, I mean, giant things. You have to see it to believe it. Uh, and how he was able to do it by, by himself. So that's coming up. And, okay, that's enough for now. All right, email address, orbitradio at aol.com. 
You can always check us out on the web at www.radioorbit, R-A-D-A-I-O, uh, let me try that again, R-A-D-I-O-R-B-I-T.com, radioorbit.com, just one O in the middle there. And the phone number here in the station is area code 573-443-8255. That's, I guess, if we open the phone lines up, but I'm probably not going to do that until later with Kent if we decide to do that. But if you want to call during a break or whatever, the number is 573-874-5676. That's 573-874-5676, And we'll come back in just a few minutes and talk about some other stuff. All right, we've got sort of a uh, Seattle theme going tonight, so we'll start things off with uh, some Alice in Chains. This is from their Unplugged CD. This is called Wood. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia.
right, there you have it live, uh, Alice in Chains, Wood. And this is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. Some of the funds for KOPN are provided by listener support and a donation from the Blue Note. Information about the Blue Note is available at www.thebluenote.com or at 573-874-1944. Yeah, the Blue Note, uh, I think 25 years, just last Monday, exactly. It was the same, uh, I didn't realize till after the fact, but last Monday, Richard King and the guys down at the Blue Note and girls down at the Blue Note uh, celebrated 25 years here in Columbia, bringing live music to all of us. So thanks to them and the people over at Mojo's as well and lots of great live music around town as always I came before the show tonight I came in from the Blue Fugue which is down there on 9th Street uh, next to Billiards the former music cafe and I won't say that too much longer but I want to make sure people know uh, what it is that I'm talking about if they haven't been back there since it changed hands but anyway uh, some great music uh, tonight Del Castillo or Del Castillo, I guess it's pronounced, but sort of Latin guitar and uh, percussion stuff going on down there tonight, and it's really cool. They just kind of got going as I was leaving, uh, as I was leaving, but it was pretty, uh, pretty fun-sounding stuff. So, anyway, lots of good stuff around town as always. One of the cool things about Columbia, what a great music scene we have here. So, if you're not uh, enjoying it, do so. Get out there and see some live music, whatever it is you like. There's probably something here that uh, that suits you. All right. Okay, uh, I, was men I was mentioning uh, earlier about uh, crop circles and crop formations with Lucy Pringle, and here's something that I found in the, in the news today, actually. It says, uh, a group of researchers in Russia claim they have solved the mystery of crop circles. The Komsomolaskia Pravda Daily reports, according to them, plants bend as a result of microwave emissions caused by lightning strikes. The newspaper described an experiment conducted by researcher Stanislav Sminov, who placed several stalks of cereals in a microwave oven with a glass of water. He said the stalks bent in exactly the same way as those usually found at crop circles. Sminov said he now has to find out how microwave emissions appear on fields. He has a theory uh, that they come from underground, but he can't prove it. Another Russian researcher, Anatoly Aziyaev, of the All-Russian Electrical Hardware Institute said that the emissions are most likely the result of lightning strikes. He said they got crop circles at a lawn in their institute 50 years ago when such research was unheard of. Two young workers and I were testing high-voltage hardware. The cable that we used to supply the current was hanging 10 meters above the ground, he said, when suddenly it, dis uh, suddenly it discharged an artificial lightning strike on the lawn below and the grass bent in even clockwise circles. He added that they conducted several experiments and got crop circles of up to five meters in diameter. Another argument backing up this theory is the fact that the crop circles are often accompanied by so-called Lichtenberg figures, narrow strips of bent grass usually left by a lightning strike. Hmm. So, the, the, so, that's, so there's the answer from the Russians on crop formations. I don't know. When they can show me uh, how a lightning strike can create a fractal geometric pattern that represents uh, a Mendelbrot set or a Fibonacci sequence, well then, 
then then we'll talk to them. But until they can figure that one out, I don't see that happening from... Unless maybe we can infer intelligence on lightning. Maybe we can do that. Maybe we can say that the lightning is actually intelligent and using intelligent behavior to create uh, earth art, so to speak. <laughs> All right, there's my take. That's the only way the Russians are right, is if lightning is intelligent. All right, uh, let's see. Now, here's another one. I was talking about Paradise, uh, about Paradise Newland. And Michael Heisen, of course, her partner at the Sirius Institute there in uh, Pune, on the Pune coast in Hawaii, uh, doing, wa uh, doing dolphin and whale research there. Uh, Paradise is going to be on the show in just a few weeks, and we're going to talk about water birth and dolphins and lots of other stuff. But at any rate, Dr. Heisen is a, uh, a gentleman who's actually been in orbit himself, and he knows a whole lot about space travel and space colonization and uh, extra uh, earthly vehicles and propulsion systems and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I have been corresponding with Paradise over the last couple of days, and I got this uh, here from from them. It says... Astronaut sites environmental damage. The view from space of a bright blue Earth is becoming marred by smoke and dust as environmental destruction grows increasingly visible, the commander of the International Space Station said Friday. U.S. astronaut Frank Culbertson told the British Broadcasting Corporation, BBC, that uh, the view had changed markedly since his first space mission in 1990. There is smoke and dust in wider spread areas than we have ever seen before, particularly in areas like in Africa, and it dried up where it's dried up in certain regions, Culbertson told the BBC. I've seen changes in what comes out of some of the rivers in land usage. We see areas of the world that are being burned to clear land. We are losing lots and lots of trees. Speaking from the space station, Culbertson said the changes were a cause for concern. We have to be careful how we treat the good earth that we live on, he added. Culbertson said he also was struck by the number of lights glowing on the earth at night. It's quite amazing to see how many people actually live down there and how much of an effect they're having on the environment and the land we live on, said Culbertson, who piloted space shuttle missions also in 1990 and 1993. Culbertson is the commander of the third crew to reside in the International Space Station, uh, which is out there flying around, uh, around the earth right now. So at any rate, concern from people that are looking down at our planet with a much better perspective than we have, and certainly changes happening on the planet, both environmentally, geopolitically, the whole bit. It's going to be interesting tonight with Kent because we're going to talk sort of about the whole gamut and try to get a uh, um, try to get a bird's eye view of what's happening in general on the planet right now. And that's sort of our goal for tonight, to talk about a whole bunch of different things from different perspectives. But uh, speaking of perspective, these guys are looking down from space and saying that they don't like what they see. Pretty interesting coming from someone up there, I think, and someone who's been up there before and has uh, the historical perspective to make a comment like that. That's amazing in and of itself, that this guy's been up there enough that he can look down and see changes and recognize it. You know, we see him in our neighborhood, maybe. So maybe it's time to start thinking in the, 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 the greater neighborhood, you know. At any rate, uh, Paradise, uh, I was talking to Paradise, and she was in Los Angeles when we were talking, and she has never liked the water on the west coast of the U.S. It's always been way too cold for her to surf or anything. She's always said that. And 
she told me on the phone the other day, and this is a paraphrase, but it's basically a quote. She said, Mike, uh, whatever is going on, the waters of uh, the Pacific off the coast of California are warming big time. She said she had no, no problem uh, getting in the water. She said it was about the same temperature as it was on the coast of Puna. And so that uh, blew her away, and she made a point to tell me about it. So I thought that I would share that with you as, as we listen to the story that the astronaut talks about from the International Space Station. All right, we'll, we'll read another story or two in just a few minutes, but I think I'm going to play some music here and get Kent on the air. We'll bring him on in just a few minutes. But you can think about that for just a moment, and we'll be back in just a few. This is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN. And here's some new stuff from Brian Eno. This is called Just Another Day. Back in just a few minutes, this is Mike. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia.
This is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. All right, that was uh, Soundgarden from Super Unknown with Fell on Black Days. And before that, we heard Brian Eno, Just Another Day. All right, here's uh, another interesting story, if not another bellwether story. It's called, well, at least the title of it says, Strange Fish Parade seen in Inglewood, and that's uh, that's Florida, Inglewood, Florida. A bizarre freeway of fish swimming by the thousands along the shore of the Inglewood Beach Thursday morning left crowds of beachgoers agog and marine biologists bewildered. I've lived here for many years and I've never seen anything like this. It's incredible, said Bob Ritchie of Inglewood. Beachgoers reported that a wide variety of sea creatures came swimming south in a narrow band close to the beach at mid-morning. Included in the swarm were clouds of shrimp, crab, grouper, snapper, redfish, and flounder. They were joined by more unusual species, including sea robins, needlefish, and eels. Ten-year Minnesota Key resident Nick Needlinger spotted the commotion from his condo shortly before 9 a.m. The fish were moving in a narrow band of water, he said. They were headed south, and so far as he could tell, the moving mass of sea life stretched a good mile long. We're talking thousands and thousands of them, he said. It was so thick we couldn't walk out. Some fish washed ashore on the Gulf's small waves, but uh, the stranded fish flopped and struggled until they flopped back into the water to rejoin the piscatorial parade south. There were blue crabs the size of dinner plates, Needlinger said. You name the species of fish, they were there. Needlinger said more than 100 pelicans bombarded the fish, but he saw no sharks or other predators, nor did he detect any signs of red tide. He said all the species were swimming amongst each other. They weren't attacking each other. Needlinger added, I have never seen anything like that in my life. This was not a fish kill. Beachgoers were grabbing crabs and fish as they swam by. Uh, one observer thought the fish might have been weakened by some sort of toxin because they could be scooped up easily by people. The event lasted until late morning, until the parade of fish had thinned out by 11 a.m. So, I don't know. What the hell is that? A bunch of fish, loads of them, all swimming together in a narrow band up the coast of Florida, or down the coast of Florida, the Gulf Coast of Florida. Hmm. There's another one to shake your head at. No real good answers, I guess, for that right now, but uh, it doesn't surprise me. Anything seems possible these days. Get ready for more and more because it's going to get wilder and wilder and wilder. At least that's my intuition about the whole state of affairs on this planet number three. So, anyway, we didn't do space weather, so I'll take a chance that uh, Kent is here. Actually, I'll play one more song. We'll play a quick song from Seattle. It's just about two minutes or so. And then we'll come back with Kent Stedman. And we'll tr uh, Because we didn't do space weather earlier, I thought it would be better to have Kent on the air to do uh, space weather and talk about what's going on up there in the skies above our heads. So we'll do that. We'll bring him on a little bit early 
uh, before the top of the hour and do space weather together, and then we'll get on with our program from there. So stick around. We'll be back in just one more minute, actually two minutes and 13 seconds. And uh, this is another Seattle band called Marcy Playground. And this is called Dog and His Master. This is Mike. You listen to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. We'll be back in just a few minutes. It, Marcy Playground on Radio Orbit. I love it. You can be anything that you want. How I'll be, that's up to me. All right. Ken Stedman, my good friend and the brilliant manager behind cyberspaceorbit.com. If you're in front of your computers or if you're not, get there. A lot of what we'll be talking about tonight will be image related. And that's very helpful to have his site up when we're talking about these things because things are a lot clearer when you can look at some good pictures to help you imagine uh, what's uh, being discussed. So anyway, if you're up and on your computers, go ahead and log on to www.cyberspaceorbit.com and you can follow along. I'm sure, as I said, lots of the things that we'll be talking about tonight will be uh, imagery That'll be on Kent's site there. And if you're uh, on my site at RadioOrbit.com, just click on Kent there, picture of him or uh, either of the links there right on the front page. That'll take you over to CyberspaceOrbit.com. But uh, uh, without further ado, I'll bring Kent up here and say hello. And uh, Kent, uh, uh, for the people who 
aren't familiar with you, maybe you can give a quick little background to you about uh, uh, who you are and what you're doing these days. Anyway, my good friend uh, Ken Stedman, live from Seattle, cyberspaceorbit.com. How are you, buddy? Hey, how do you do, Mike? Good. How are you tonight? Fish, huh? Yeah, you read that story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if... You, hey, that's good hunker down by the pot belly stove material it, there, wouldn't you say? It really is. Fish stories. And that's what we'll do, right, Kent? Tonight we're going to have sort of a hunker down, sit around the pot belly stove and talk about lots of different things and try to get a, uh, a good sort of big picture perspective of just some of the things that are going on around this, uh, around this planet these days. Well, fishing is a good place to start because <laughs> in my youth I was an avid fisherman. I haven't been fishing in a long time. Man, as you come out here, everybody does fishing out here in Missouri. Yeah. Well, that's what I am. I'm fishing. You'll hear me fishing around here. I'm live here. I've got my uh, my uh, internet website up. I'm looking at forum reports. I've got the TV on, watching the shuttle, <laughs> and let's see if they'll bring it down safely, which a lot of people are really worried about now. And uh, I'm stumbling around, knocking things over, and groping for coffee. <laughs> this is me fishing, and that's what I essentially do. I've as I've said before, my background is in the humanities. I'm, I was an art instructor for 23 years in a Fresno City College. I uh, left that job about 20 years ago and wondered what the heck I was going to do next. Uh, worked with some disability volunteer work for a while, and then my wife, again, with me kicking and screaming in the background, got an old tandy sensation computer and uh, <clears throat> which we struggled with hooked up to the early form of the internet the early form of uh, uh, America Online and so on I wanted to see if there's anybody like myself out there because <laughs> I've had it my whole life uh, beyond my professional shenanigan has been Pretty bizarre, which I think is what happens when a creative type sort of uh, meanders his way through this weird matrix called life. And I've had a lot of strange experiences with uh, uh, other worldly things, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Things I couldn't explain even to myself. So I went on the uh, Internet to see if there was anybody else really feeling alone like I was in a soundproof room so I went on the uh, internet to see if there anybody else out there like me <laughs> turns out I'm not so unique there are lots of people like me which I found out really quickly isn't that amazing <clears throat> and I think that's a really wondrous aspect of what we call the internet is suddenly people were crawling to the surface like you're breaching the surface even like fish <laughs> well it's it's funny that, that you bring you bring this up right at the beginning of the show but you know i've been having a conversation with joanna uh with joanna harcourt smith and one of the things that we've talked about lately is exactly this that this ability of the internet to allow for the first time really uh the the, the opportunity for anyone no matter where you are, no matter how disenfranchised you are, no matter how marginalized you are, no matter how peculiar or weird you are, 
you now have the opportunity to go out there and find others that are like yourself. And in fact, there was, I've said this before, but there was something that uh, Tim Leary uh, used to say that didn't get quoted as much as uh, tune in, turn on, and drop out, but it was, it was maybe better advice. And that was find the others. He said, find the others. And now more than ever, with these new communication technologies, we have the ability to do that. And you're a perfect example of somebody who, who like you say, you couldn't, you felt so alone, and bam, the web opened up a lot of doors for you and introduced you to other people that were going through the same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> I always felt kind of weird, but then I started polling around, you know, fishing around, polling around, <laughs> taking my own pole, my own fishing pole, to find out uh, how many of you out there, you know, are living a normal, ordinary, mundane existence. And uh turns out that a lot of people on the outside are, in fact, being average citizens, but on the inside, it's freaky. <laughs> it's freaky. We've all had our experiences in this hamburger land reality which is freaky really because what do we have birth <laughs> the unknown life which we say is known except for one factor we say life is a known thing and is the real world quote unquote except that it keeps getting laced by something called change you just think you have it figured out change it and then of course you have death the biggie another super unknown in the midst of this birth life death you know we're all uh, even though we look like we're ambling about as average citizens you know we've had weird experiences uh, in mind in who we really are in heart who we really are beyond the political culture or the religious political culture or the if we have a culture <laughs> You know, we all have our our points of awe, right. like the fish. You know, the fish leaping for a leaping out of the water, out of the surface of the water into another reality. Yeah, realizing there's something other than that medium. Yeah, fish. <clears throat> now, what was that story? Let me get this straight. A whole bunch of fish. There's a big fish parade. Yeah, I mean, it must have been the fish Fourth of July. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, miles long. The thing was miles long. It says, "Strange fish parade seen in Inglewood." This is in Florida, and they and they say that there were all kinds of different fish all swimming swimming together, sort of a, a camaraderie or something. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to repeat that again. I've got so many things going on. I've linked that story, and, and uh, ta-da, it gets weird. It's, <laughs> it gets really weird because I went to some friends of mine who you know called Elfrad. Sure. Charlie and uh, Shu over there. Yeah, they have a way of monitoring the earth. Instead of their antenna arrays uh, sticking up out of the ground, they're, they're, the, the antennas are buried in the ground so that they can hear the earth. And... Uh, Starting about ten hours prior to the fish parade, and and uh, for a three-hour period, and uh, culminating 
seven hours before the fish parade, if I get this all right. You know, in the process of this whole conversation, there might be a whole bunch of stuff I don't get right. (laughs) (laughs) But what they found was that uh, there was a pulse going on. What's a pulse? An electromagnetic pulse uh, in that area are coming off the surface of the Earth, regular intervals. So, well, so something there was a pulsing, a pulse. The fish were getting pulsed. Right, and just uh, for for the people who didn't listen to the show with uh, Ed Edwards a few weeks ago, uh, Elfrad. Uh, the reason they call it Elfrad is E L F stands for extremely low frequency. And it, as Ken said, they bury their their quote unquote antennas in the earth, and they listen to these extremely low frequencies that resonate through the body of the earth. And when they uh, when they say that they measured something, that, that that's exactly what happened. It's a, it's a it's a fully scientific operation. It's just they monitor these internal frequencies of the Earth. So uh, so if Charlie, uh, who was a former uh, Navy uh, radar guy, if I if I remember correctly, uh, and a genius in and of his own right, if he says that he's got something, something strange did happen. The fish obviously uh, thought something strange was happening, Kent. Well, either, <clears throat> yeah, the pulse is there. If you go to my www.cyberspaceorbit.com and go down to the fish story. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to it. You're going to love this, though. I, I got to just read this to you. It might have been predator avoidance, said one scientist, but that was unlikely since there were no signs of predators. <laughs> uh, well, it could have been. The, but uh, a, a weird two legged predator that's got all kinds of new. Gizmos in his hip pocket. Right? Yeah, no kidding. A predator of a different kind. All right, so over at, uh, what is it, cyberspaceorbit.com. Go ahead, Kent. Yeah, well, anyway, see, uh, the EM pulse, the electromagnetic pulse, is a whole new array of, shall we call it, fishing poles or weapons that the human race has remarkably and ingeniously cooked up in, our, in, in the 21st century now. That uh, <clears throat> they'll b- transmit a signal in such a way, they pulse it in such a way that it builds up its strength to great heights, great proportions, kind of like jumping on a trampoline and hitting the sweet spot, kicking up the signal, producing a huge standing wave, standing wave whereby. <clears throat> uh, Lots of things can happen now. <laughs> These microwave transmissions, uh, they can uh, stop your car now. They've got devices where the sheriff can say, well, I don't like what you're doing, and push a button and send out an like EM pulse and fry all the electronics in your car, and you come to a screeching halt. <laughs> there you go. That's a real deal. They can, uh, as our weather expert Scott has told us, they can perhaps even... Uh, Manipulate the weather with such technology. Uh, they could perhaps even affect the human mind with such technology. For instance, uh, the radar techs used to have, <laughs> they, were, they used to play fun and games on each other because they found out that a certain frequency of Microwave radar will create a kind of hissing in your head. Hiss. <clears throat> and 
and then they began to modulate it, which means they adjust the frequency up and down and up and down. Suddenly that hiss would take on words <laughs> and sentences, you know. All right, they got really good with it. Hello, this is Zeus. You will now do what I say. <laughs> right, voices in your head. And this is just a bunch of you hot shot texts that they were pulling tricks on one another doing this kind of stuff. You know, right. Your wife is sleeping with it. You know, that type <laughs> right. of thing. <laughs> right. And, uh, oh, boy. boy, the DOD jumped in real quick. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. We yeah. need this stuff. <laughs> and apparently, as far back as the 70s, they were 60s, they were messing around with it as a uh, tool for psyops, you know. <clears throat> in fact, I got it firsthand. I was in the hospital once with a guy from Dugway Tooele Ordnance in Utah, and he said, "Oh yeah," he said, "they're called disruptors. <laughs> they can be mounted on satellites. They can send out a certain frequency that will disrupt you, uh, disrupt your uh, electromagnetic self." Your brain waves, you know, because we're we're electromagnetic. Right, exactly. You disrupt your brain waves, and uh, well, man, we can. He says we can sweep the whole West Coast, and everybody will go. And we'll suddenly start drooling strangely, having weird thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, look, oh, it's it, it's the top of the hour. I'm starting to have weird thoughts myself. When we come back, we'll have to talk about space. I didn't do space weather like I usually do. So let's talk about some of the things that are going on up there. Let's talk about the shuttle. And I'm not sure what's going on in the sun. I haven't looked today. So maybe you can chat about that a little bit. There have been some interesting gamma ray bursts, as uh, we've seen increasingly over the last month or so. So what do you say? Let's chat about that a little bit after the break here, and uh, then we'll get on from there. We'll space up. All right, sounds good. Let me see, uh, what do I have chosen from a good friend here, Kent? Uh, I wanted to pick some. Check this out. Check out the guitar playing on this song. All right, you'll like it. Uh, I don't know who it is, but I found it this afternoon. All right, check this out. This is called Not the Heartless Kind, actually. And the girl who, I'll tell you who it is after the song here. All right, this is Mike. You listen to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. My guest is Kent Stedman from www.cyberspaceorbit.com. Jump on your computers and get on the web and follow along with, uh, with us uh, at the website, cyberspaceorbit.com. We'll be back in just a few minutes. In the meantime, one, uh, one more time, not the heartless kind. This is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. What if I stack the cards? Is the ace next to my heart? Played out the game with a steady hitter. What if I left the closet open? Skeletons and all. Invited in the press, leaving you to take the floor. What if I scratch below the surface and not to open up the bricks?
That was that was a, a girl named Amy Spees, and a cool slide guitar there in the background on that song. That's called "Not the Heartless Kind." All right, Amy Spees on Radio Orbit KOPN. This is Mike, and I've got my good friend Kent Stedman from www.cyberspaceorbit.com on the line with me. We'll be talking for another couple hours about uh, life and times on planet Earth. So, Kent, what? Uh, What's going on in space? What's going on in space? Yeah, I promised we'd do space weather together, and so let's talk a little bit about what's going on up there. 
That's what they'd have us believe, I think. <laughs> right now, the sun is really quiet. It's amazingly quiet. It went from on the uh, 27th to a big X-class flare, unexpected X-class flare from a giant sunspot that revolved into view from the eastern limb called Sunspot 792, which had me rewriting all my theories about what the sun is and what it can do and uh, the forces acting upon the sun. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then that sunspot rotated into view and did more weird stuff, which we'll talk about here in a second. But right now it's really, really quiet. All the solar indices are really low. Uh, those big uh, sunspots are followed by... A, Another huge sunspot, two of them sort of drifted across the face of the sun and slowly uh, decomposed and became less and less of a threat. And so now it's really, really quiet. So you think it's going to be quiet now forever? Hmm. Most likely not yeah. if, uh, if history serves. But we mentioned this on your birthday celebration, the Radio Orbit birthday celebration. We saw some stuff. Hey, thank you, by the way, for for being on the air. That was really fun. We had a great time last week, and a lot of people had a really good time, so thanks. Yeah, I still got my dobro sitting here just in case. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Never far from hand. <laughs> but uh, Sunspot 792, when it came across the eastern limb, it looked like there was a giant mosquito dark matter shape, you know, on the edge of it on the edge of the sun sort of pecking away at the photosphere of the sun which is the outer layer that we see through the solar spacecraft and uh, it was strange this dark shape non-luminous shape and uh, sort of interacting with the photosphere almost like it had a beak and spearing it and you've got to go see this i mean this sounds like i've gone out of my freaking mind but no no i'm fine it's the sun <laughs> Uh, remember, we were we were talking. You mentioned this the other night, and I sort of, I've been thinking about it. It it, it is an amazing thing. That's why I keep I've con considered it uh, more and more. And I have an, another analogy that I want to run by you that it that it reminds me of now after after you've mentioned it and I've thought about it for a few days. Do you remember that that Twilight Zone episode where it was actually from the movie, and Dan Aykroyd is. Uh, a passenger on an airplane, and it's in a storm, and this gargoyle sort of sh shows up on the on the wing of the yeah. airplane and starts tearing at the at the engine, and nobody believes he's the only one that can see it. That's sort of the, the impression. I, I mean, I know it's, it sounds abstract, but that's the impression that I got when I see that thing. Now it's like like you mentioned, like it's sort of driving at the sun, like trying to break through and like attack it or something almost. Yeah, and it was quite a, a, a weird, dark prominence. And uh, as the sunspot came a little more toward us as we revolved around the sun, I keep saying the sun revolved, but as we revolved around the sun... Well, the sun's moving too, so... <laughs> we began to see the thing, and it was like a, a, a big spiral of dark... dark energy sort of curling up and then re-entering the, the photosphere, and when it would re-enter, then the sun would, the the sunspot itself would send out a huge coronal mass ejection or a flare, 
these flares eventually reach the earth and create they create what's called the magnetic storm mm-hmm. and uh, the magnetic storm has different facets to it it sends a uh, very uh, ethereal protons electrons and so almost immediately at us the proton storms start uh, pounding earth and, and space and the international space anything out there they're really the most deadly of all but they're the more they're the more subtle and then uh, two or three days later, then the heavier solar material will hit us and it, uh, and it will strike the Earth and we'll get our aurora borealises. The Earth's magnetosphere will, like a big Earth nerf, nerf ball, will actually collapse, like squeezing a nerf ball, will collapse and, and then and spring back out and expand way out into space and create a lot of atmospheric drag, which is not good for the International Space Station, which seems to be losing altitude. <laughs> right, right, As a right. result, see, that's a direct effect of a, the sun's activity. It, it will collapse the atmosphere, and then it'll spring back, back out and expand to even beyond its uh, sphere of influence, creating an atmospheric drag. So now they're trying to keep the, international, the ISS, the International Space Station, station at altitude because it's losing altitude more than they anticipated and they uh, boost it back up and then the the solar cycle 23 which never seemed to quit right just goes on and on (laughs) we'll we'll get blasted again and and uh, as a result I don't think they anticipated what was the effect was going to be on the international space station Right, right. I mean, this is a deja vu story. Remember, we talked about this a year ago. It, the same thing was happening. The the space station was losing altitude, and they had to send up a uh, one of the Soyuz rockets in order to boost it and the whole bit. So that's space, and right now I'm looking at my TV over the, my right shoulder to see if the if the uh, Columbia will come down safely. It it I'm trying to figure out what's going on with the Columbia because it. In it, the process of its launch and its insertion into orbit, it really got hammered, <laughs> seriously hammered. And uh, we're quite worried that the uh, heat shield, which consists of thousands and thousands of little ceramic tile, will hold together as it begins to reorbit, um, re-enter. They were going to send it in last night, and they called it off, and it looks like they're going to try to do it again. So send out good vibes to the crew up there. I hope they make it back. Yeah, it's the last Columbia didn't do so good. No, it's a frustrating thing, man. What 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 what's going on with with the shuttles and with the space program in general? At least the the overt one. I mean, this is just too much for me anymore. I mean, what is the shuttle now? Thirty-five year old technology. Yeah, it's probably the technology we're allowed to see to justify our expenditures. That's what I mean. I, I mean, but in the meantime. You know, these people are at risk, and, you know, I'm doing, I, I, speaking of ceramic tile, I'm, I'm tiling my bathroom right now, you know. So, if, the, if it's anything like that, if they're doing like a mosaic on the bottom of the, of the shuttle, they better make sure that their mortar is mixed right. Yeah, and, and uh, that those, the chalk line is good. Yeah, and that those things stick on real good, because uh, sometimes they fall off, and then 
not only will they crash, but their wives will be really upset with them. So. Well, big story here. I got something cool for you to all see. Go to cyberspaceorbit.com. All right, what is it? And, and put and click very top of the page. UFOs or as shuttle Columbia UFO. Oh yeah, UFOs near Columbia. All right, what's this about? <laughs> Holy cow! Look at that. Now, now, now is that, that's a that's a repeating loop of what? Of one particular object or I've what? I've got two or three there. People have been uh, been uh, keeping it on live 24 hours a day to see if they can capture anything up there, and they have. And so this is from NASA TV. Yeah. The and then converted to a, a loop or a, an AVI file or or a GIF construction file that we can, right. that we can post to the net. So, you know. Cyberspaceorbit.com and uh, Orbit Radio are really, really involves a whole, whole bunch of people across the world keeping (laughs) keeping track. Yeah, it's it's true, and again, the the collaboration that this technology uh, allows us uh, to do, and you know, I I I know that it can also be used for. Uh, for less constructive things, I realize that I it, it, uh, I don't care if it's used to peddle pornography. It, it can be trivialized in a thousand ways. Anything can be trivialized, but the power of the web and the power of these new communication technologies, utilized in the right manner, uh, are very very uh, powerful, in my opinion, for the individual. Well, we're seeing something out there. We'll call it an unidentified flying object or space-winging object. <laughs> <laughs> no. And that's what we'll call it, but we don't know what the heck they are. There's well, these, it's like STS-48. Remember that? The shuttle yeah. image of all these like plasma-like... Was that spheres. the tether? The tether uh, well, there's that where they've tried to do a, a tethered satellite. And uh, all these orbs-looking sort of blotches began spinning around it like moths around a candle. Yeah, like swarming on it. And then there's SDS-48 where they were filming over probably Sao Paulo. Oh, over Brazil. And uh, <clears throat> yeah. And they began and they saw like orbs attacking other orbs and moving at a strange right angle. Yeah. And then they then they observed one coming up from San Paulo, coming up from the Earth. Yeah, like it was a lot, like a plasma bullet or something. It looked like a comet. Yeah, it was. Except the comet, you see, was originating on Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And so these these watchers we got out there, they're helping us along. They wrote me a, a... an email, or I mean, a note in the form. Hey, Kent, did you see this stuff? I didn't know I hadn't seen it. Well, now I, I uh, checked out their footage, and oh my gosh! Now, is that? <laughs> tell me, okay, for the for the for, both for me and for the people that are listening here, who aren't who, who can't see the image, is that first of all, what's the perspective that I'm seeing? Is that is that from the shuttle camera? Yeah. Okay, and it's on one of the wings or something like that. Yeah, and it's a. It's a Quite a, a noticeable sphere, but an amorphous sphere. It's not a solid UFO that you could go up and thump on. And uh, is there more than one, or is that one as it moves by the craft, and you just sort of have it have it in a repeated loop there? Well, there are several uh, clips here, and they're all different, hmm. uh, taken at different times. But it, essentially, when the uh, Columbia separated from its docking. 
this from the uh, International Space Station, and suddenly all these lights started flying around. So uh, they could be anything. Mm -hmm. They could be something really mundane, you know, like a, a lens flare, <laughs> you know, whatever. But the way they look to me, they sort of disappear out into space. They, they originate in the foreground as though they're kind of uh, hovering in wing formation along with the, with the uh, Columbia, and then they dart around and move way deep out into space. Mm -hmm. uh, so what are they? They're orbs of light. That's what they are. Are they uh, UFOs? Oh, are they alien? Yeah, uh, Klingon spacecraft. <laughs> are they something else? Are they orbs? Are they the, are they purely electromagnetic? Is it the L, the electromagnetic presence in space? I even had a weird thought when I started seeing them this time. I thought, man, maybe they're antibodies, like white. Like white blood cells. cells. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, and like a... What we're doing is sending like a big sliver out into space, <laughs> hey. you know, and penetrating the, the the entity of space time, and it has its own way of <laughs> yeah, of repelling uh, attack, so to speak. And when I saw the space tethered satellite, I thought that too. Man, it looks like well, you know what it looks like—a bunch of Orbs darting around by the hundreds, by the hundreds, you know, like moths in a light around this tethered satellite is spinning, darting around it as though they didn't like it. <laughs> well, you know, let, let me ask you a question, what you think about this uh, while we're on space for another few minutes. You know, there is really a good, a reasonably good argument that, that at least asks the question, why... And again, this is assuming that we don't have uh, advanced technologies that nobody knows about, that that we actually have, you know, bases on the moons of Saturn or anything like that. That may, and, and I and I recognize that as a possibility as well. But at any rate, just to play devil's advocate, uh, there's an argument that says, well, why haven't we gone and done anything beyond the moon, and why did we pretty much abandon? Uh, the moon after the uh, the Apollo missions, and it seems like sort of space travel and space colonization and all of this for 30 years has just sort of been, you know, a repeated PR stunt that never really accomplishes anything, but it's sort of just for show or something. I mean, nothing ever really, uh, there's no advancement as far as you know, potential for a colonization, for example, for the average person or something like that. I mean, we still have, have these lame-ass shuttle missions that are like, they remind me of like Homer Simpson's uh, RV, <laughs> you know. and to be an old campfire thing. Yeah. Well, you can't go to heaven in a Ford V8 <laughs> because the Ford V8 won't go that straight. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like a, it's, it's like a out of the comedy uh, uh, comics or whatever, but at any rate, it seems like uh, there's this argument that says, "Well, we're, we're, we've been quarantined." You know, there are some people that argue that. Yes and no. It may be that we can't send up, can't, can't hammer out a big old metal shield, uh, a spacecraft. We can't hand, we can't hammer out, forge ourselves a big broadsword and propel it into space, or or. A or a space vehicle that 
can get really into deep space. Uh, uh, well, no, we know, we think we have those. <laughs> right. but they're called probes. But uh, can we put a human inside of it? Will he make it? You know, mm -hmm. or will he cook as he passes through the Van Allen belt? All right, right. Uh, what will happen to him? Uh, if he's inside of this this contraption out in space, will he make it physically out there? And it's hard to say. We don't know what space is. We don't know what space is. We really don't. We don't know whether our model that we've been toying with for the last uh, 50 years is accurate. Is it empty? Maybe so, maybe not. Space could be thick like butter. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I talked to uh, a theoretical physicist, a guy named Nassim Haramine, uh, just two weeks ago, and he's a guy that's drawing a lot of attention to himself in those uh, areas right now. But yeah, I mean, his his viewpoint is certainly that space is that anybody on the on, on the front edge of things realizes that space certainly isn't empty, and uh, in fact, we're not even sure what the majority of it really is. Are humans empty? Anybody home? No. <laughs> Our human bodies are inhabited by an intelligence. Right. I mean, that's a perfect. Uh, it becomes perfectly obvious when a person dies. <laughs> I mean, that's when it becomes obvious. In other words, the body's still laying there, uh, but something was there and is no longer there. So my latest theory, which could be wrong, you know, I wear beliefs. And that's what we. I wake up in the morning. I I have a belief, and uh, chances are it might endure a day or two <laughs> for another belief, but then. Eclipses the whole belief thing, but uh, I, I think space is is permeated by intelligence, intelligence, thick intelligence, thick perception, thick intelligence, so thick that we can sometimes see it and see the aspect of it when we watch the corona of the sun. We can see the geometry of it. Hmm. Remember when we were watching. Not long ago, uh, geometrical shapes form and as captured or uh, like traced in the, in mm -hmm. the, uh, in the, corona. the plasma of the right. sun. We were seeing cubes. Yeah, we saw cubes. We saw pyramidal shaped objects, uh, and we've seen and we've seen much more uh, soft art. You know, we've seen. And of course, you can find anything in the clouds. I guess if you look long enough. But we've seen, you know, the hawk. In 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 certain times where it just seems so synchronous that it's just outrageous, we've seen amazing things on the surface of the sun. Well, that can we travel into space? That was where we started, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe we can't go out there in a Ford V8 because a Ford V8 won't go that straight. But but uh, on the other hand. Uh, Spiritually, yes. Right. Spiritually, or in terms of our intelligence, mm -hmm. which I believe is continued, continuous with space, or let's call it imagination. You know, we're hunkering around the pot belly stove. Mm -hmm. We could project in imagination, and if we were to do so, you and I, if we were to take our own voyage, 
by cutting loose of our preconceptions and, and go ahead and voyage out into space, just do it. And uh, trip the light, fantastic, and go to other worlds, go to other, maybe even other dimensions or other space times. You know, if we were to dare ourselves to do that, we, you know, we might be uh, not only witness amazing things, but we might be carrying on a tradition that was known about and has been known about for thousands and thousands of years. And if we, we were to f suddenly find ourselves a, a sort of an astral space jock out there uh, traveling through space, uh, it might be helpful to know that the others have done that too. Like mm -hmm. thousands and thousands, uh, thousands in the old kingdom of Egypt, there's a guy named Inhotet. Uh, who may have wandered through Greece and been known as uh, uh, Hermes Trismegistus the Thriceborn, right. or who might have been known as Thoth. Right. Thoth. Right. You know, and we have the record of Thoth in, in, in a set of tablets called the Emerald Tablets. And what does Thoth tell us? They get a load of those, huh? <laughs> yeah. What does Thoth tell us? He says, Hi, guys. I'm a, a mortal like you with a deep sense of curiosity. And thus I launched myself out. I met the, the ancient masters of the world, got their permission, and launched myself out into space and traveled beyond the angles. He said, mm. beware of the angles because the hounds of hell were there. <laughs> I moved out into space and I went to other worlds. He was our first astronaut thousands of years ago. So how's them Apple? Yep. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, cool stuff. Uh, and you can read about his voyages. Yeah, the Emerald Tablets. If you've never uh, read that particular piece of ancient literature, that's one that's worth reading. You can find it in cyberspaceorbit.com. Go down to my site search engine and put in T-H-O-T-H. T-H-O-T-H, yeah. Or the Emerald Tablets, and you'll find these, this ancient record. He tells you how to travel, what to be aware of, what to be wary of, how to do it. He gives you the space flight instructions. <laughs> All right, look, uh, it's the bottom of the hour here. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about some more stuff. I'm just looking. I'm just sort of scrolling down no, the, front, the front page. You know, we don't talk about politics much. We haven't, and I, and I and I sort of make it a point not to on the show very much. But I'm afraid to. <laughs> well, I know it's right. It's right at the top of the page, though. So you're not that afraid. So maybe let's let's at least chat a little bit about what's going on because it is a part of this whole picture. Oh and it, gosh, let and it is a screwed up part of it. No question about that. But yeah. uh, it and and I mean. I, not like we're going to be able to clarify anything for anyone. And if you're looking for clarification, of course, that's probably the uh, the the goal, the, the end uh, that we seek. But uh, you know, if you're looking for an answer on the political game, you're not going to get it on this show tonight. But you're probably going to get a whole lot more questions. <laughs> now I'm going to go put my hat on during the break. Yeah, yeah put on your tin foil hat <laughs> <laughs> so we don't get beamed by the, by the men in black or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well, hold on. I better find some music here to play. And uh, Looking for me, hat. All right, sounds good. 
All right, here uh, here's maybe a fitting tune for the for the political thing we're going to do. All right, uh, this is Mike Hagan. You listen to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. My guest is Ken Stedman from www.cyberspaceorbit.com. We're going to come back and chat about uh, what's going on in the government in this country and I guess uh, some other places around the world. Back in just a few minutes. This is Mike. You listen to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. This is the Ducks. And everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows that the war is over. And everybody knows that the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor and the rich stay rich. That's how it goes. And everybody knows. On top of Calvary to the beaches of Malibu, everybody knows it's coming apart. Take one last look at this sacred heart before it blows. And everybody knows, and everybody knows, everybody knows that's how it goes. Everybody knows, everybody knows.
you go. That's called Everybody Knows. That's the Ducks. And this is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. Some of the operating funds for KOPN are provided by listener support and a donation from the Blue Note. Information about the Blue Note is available at www.thebluenote.com. Uh, or you can get a, a hold of them at 573-874-1944. Hello, uh, this is Shu, and you're listening to me on Radio Orbit, KLPN 89.5. All right, this is my... You! <laughs> I did that for you, Ken. I knew you'd love it. <laughs> Howdy, you. Are you out there? Yeah, he'll probably be listening to the show after the fact. You know, that was that was quite a quite an experience for having him on the line for, for a couple hours. And I told you, of course, I've had no problem with any of my archives for, uh, for close to a year now. And, and of course, the shoe uh, program got totally corrupted and all that stuff. I had, I, it took me a month to get the thing worked out where I could get it up on the web. Who, who or what is you? Well, he's an ordinary guy living there in North Carolina somewhere. Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. northern Georgia. Now. Northern Georgia. He lives in a horse barn. <laughs> and he's kind of a fun guy to talk to. He's a down-to-earth type of guy that got hit by lightning when he was in a <laughs> aluminum rowboat out in the middle of a lake. <laughs> he and told then... the story about when he got hit in the rowboat, man. It was hysterical, but amazing. And ever since then, he's been John Travolta in Phenomenon. Hugh <laughs> comes to town and everybody runs for cover because oh, yeah. he, has a, he has a consciousness that no one can fathom at this point, including a bunch of people that are scientists that are involved in the study of plasma physics that uh, watch their needles jump up and down when the shoe puts his mind to it. <laughs> and so he's phenomenon. We met John Travolta in the movie Phenomenon. I keep referring to that. Go see the movie. Well, <laughs> that's shoe. <laughs> yeah, that's he's, you. Yeah, he's absolutely something else. And he's an ordinary guy, folks, just like we, you and I are, trying to... Uh, to interface with life, and but doing it from a position. In his case, uh, shoot for Mars or something. I don't know. He has an amazing consciousness. Go see the Lawnmower Man. Go see Phenomena. And that's shoe. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's an interesting guy. So, all right. So anyway, Kent, what else? Uh, we were talking about if we want to go here or not. But but since it's right at the top of the page, and we don't talk about politics very often. What the hell is going on in this country? That's why I put and, on my hat. And everywhere, I mean, it's like the whole, uh, the whole thing. It's a, you ever get a feeling like the like the like the engine's going so hard that it's pretty soon it's just going to throw itself to pieces. Okay, well, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to go out to my great grandfather's place out in the country. He was a he was a at age eighteen he immigrated to the United States. As, father who was like a musketeer in the German army sent him to the United States to keep him out of the army mm -hmm. and uh, uh, he was a uh, uh, master miller at age 18 and he came to the United States and he built his mill out in the country of uh, so, but Sandy, Utah and when I was a little kid that was my laughing place, that was my happy hunting ground out there 
Ken, by, by mill, do you mean a milling machine as in a, a flower machinist? Mill. Okay, a flower mill. All right. It used to be driven by a water wheel, but then Aunt Mary brought the power in from Draper, and he had his own mill. He was a miller. All right, cool. Had his own flour mill there. But on the weekends, all his buddies would show up. They're mostly uh, from Bavaria, you know, <laughs> German mm-hmm. guys. And they'd sit around, the, literally sit around the potbelly stove, which in this case was a coal-burning cook stove that Aunt Mary, who we affectionately called Mom, she uh, got an electric stove, but she didn't like that, so she put flower pots on it and she'd always uh, cook over there on the uh, coal stove, big cast iron coal stove and there'd be all his buddies on the weekend hunkering around that and they'd do what we don't do too much anymore. They'd by gum discuss politics and they were the best of buddies but I used to hide man because I thought they were going to get in this huge fight. (laughs) 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 By the end of the night they'd all be up ranting and raving and during World War II and discussing which end of the spectrum they were on and uh, uh, which usually hovered around Roosevelt whether he was a good guy or a evil guy you know and they'd start arguing this and that and some of for some of these old guys in truth it was really personal because they were sending their sons and daughters over into the battlefield in in various parts of the world, Germany particularly, for <laughs> fighting their own relatives over there. <clears throat> and, uh, boy, the, the discussion would get really hot and heavy. And that's kind of what the old pot belly stove, at least the, uh, the Saturday evening Rockwell illustrations were all about. These guys sitting around the stove talking right, politics. Right, the old Norman Rockwell painting, sure. So that, can we still do that? Is it okay? <laughs> oh, we'll find out. <laughs> will somebody come knocking at our door if we say the wrong thing? Will the uh, Patriot Act, Patriot Act, quote unquote, will they come after us? Will they indict us? Will they throw us in a gulag somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I've. You know, we've asked this question since 9-11 for sure, you and me, and, and people may not know m- much about uh, our history with this stuff, but on that day, and we might as well t- talk about that a little bit because uh, it's pretty interesting, especially in retrospect of what's happened recently in London, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, I always make this thing, this joke about getting older, and it has to do with pattern recognition. <laughs> You know, but at any rate, uh, on 9/11, you and me, and a number of other people were all collaborating online uh, for hours on end, and it turned just, out to be days and months. Yeah, and just compiling, compiling information, stories, and then cross-referencing stories with other stories, and finding out which ones made sense and how, and how the stories changed over time. And uh, boy, it was a really enlightening experience to go through that whole thing and a frightening one at the same time to see the power uh, and the manipulation uh, of uh, of the media and the way that propaganda has has become such an accomplished art uh, in the hands of some of these people uh, in power it's it's just an absolutely astounding thing well we i you know 
I did, and I think Mike did, and a, and, and a lot of people had a really, really uneasy, uneasy feeling when we watched that those towers collapse as though they'd been imploded by, like you see on TV when they drop a building. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we were wondering, with well, gosh, what's really going on here? Did was this masterminded from a cave somewhere in Afghanistan? This incredibly complex uh, hit on the United States, and then and one of our most valued symbols of the, the World Trade Center, or was it in fact we began to have and other people like us, Skolnick, others began to have really uneasy feelings, and that uh, summed up. In these words, what I began to think what was really happening was that 9-11 was a grand coup. You know, in a minor coup, some general takes over the government of a single country. In a grand coup, the entire world order is transformed. The whole Enlightenment heritage has been abandoned. Constitutional government, civil liberties, balance of powers, government accountability, international law has become a, has been abandoned and national sovereignty is becoming a subject for nostalgia. Other than that, <laughs> things are going really well. So now, <laughs> so now let me just read you this. And this, from, this was a call to sleuth on my part, which is sort of a chicken way of doing this, because I don't know what's going on. I don't want to make any radical statements, heaven forbid. It's a call to sleuth, you know. Come on, let's look at this. Let's watch this. Because All right, so when you say that, what do you mean? That that means you sort of call your your readers of your website to go out and help you look for information and then yeah. they share it with you? Is that what happens? That's what my whole website is really all about. Just a Raising questions and say, let's look at this, everybody. Okay. Let's look at this, and then I will do my part, which I think is my obligation as an American citizen. To look at these things, and well, here's what we're looking at. Don't know if it's true or not. I got my attorney hat on now. I just put on my straw hat, and I, I've got a pit pit here, and I'm going to write attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Investigating rumors of massive in- indictment. Why is indictment spelled indictment? Hmm. Indictment of neocons. Is this valid? Audio forum two three U.S. U.S. attorney. Office says no comment. Sherman Skolnick's article on the Bush-Cheney indictment. Floco, Floco, Bush plans to fire prosecutor as, or the bosses of prosecutor as federal agents prepare to arrest him. Article in Newsweek. A a bonesman to take Comey's job. John Paul Stevens, India Media, Cloak and Dagger, Audio, Citizen Spook Blog, Explaining Terms, Semantics. Forum two three four five more investigative rumors of British MI six agents trying to bomb the Chicago subway system where the uh, uh, federal prosecutor is hanging out. That's his hometown. Probably a relative of mine, Patrick Fitzgerald. Patrick Fitzgerald, right? Now yeah. what's and Fitzgerald is doing what? He he's uh, managing the investi- the investigation. He's the prosecutor for the uh, the Valerie Plame outing, right? Pardon. The Valerie Plame outing? Yeah. Okay. The Valerie Plame the grand jury, he's the prosecutor for the grand jury. Right. But now the and <clears throat> but but the rumor is that they've gotten a lot further than just the Plame case, that it's reached into 
in other words, there are, there are even questions about a runaway grand jury that where the, where the grand jury just sort of takes uh, control of the investigation on their own, which is constitutionally permitted. It's happened in, historically in a number of pretty interesting cases, actually. Uh, but uh, at, at any rate, the the grand jurors, uh, if they decide to, can can uh, expand the boundaries of the investigation pretty much at their will. But they can do that. Yeah, they, it's called a runaway. Yeah, they call it a and runaway. They can, grand jury. they can issue a true bill on their very own, whether whether the prosecutor is involved or not. They can go their own direction. Right. Which the word is out, the rumor is out that they have. Right. Who, who is this jury? Well, it's predominantly uh, what should we call a minority interest? And there's a handful of really angry black. Mothers. And they're women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, that's what you and I have always said: is that what it's going to take. What did we say that day? Do you remember, Ken? On September 11th, remember when we met Denise? Mm-hmm. It's going to take women. Mothers are going to have to get really ticked off, and they're going to have to assert their matriarchal authority. Yeah, I because know. these bozos that are playing power games around the world in their little pissy secret societies and so on to, that cover their own and their alleged veil of national security which is becoming more and more to look like something that covers their own butts as they slink around doing their stuff you know uh, it's going to take mama with, with that mom voice and that big stick <laughs> 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 and that's exactly what it looks like at the moment happening not only with the grand jury who is who is punching through all the barriers heck with Valerie playing let's go back to 911 and right. find out what really went on right right I you know was it a Reichstag like uh, Hitler pulled up well, where, he so, hired, okay. where he hired a bunch of commies his buddies of his all right, well, hold on a second let, let, let's clarify what, what we're talking about here so we're, we're talking about a federal prosecutor, this guy Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. and he's got a grand jury uh, that's at what at what point in their uh, process? I don't know. Okay, so at any rate, there's a grand jury, and they're and 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 they're discussing the Valerie Plame case, but there there are rumors that who I mean, and rumors are what they're worth, I guess, on the web. But uh, there's some real interesting talk about uh, this guy Fitzgerald. And that the Bush gang is out to get rid of him, and that there they are... got indictments against Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld. Uh, wow. They don't have direct indictments, but they're bringing in uh, Scalia. They're questioning the Supreme Court. They're going after the neocons. Hmm. They're going to arrest them. <laughs> 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 wow, now, a lot of people are going to be saying, yeah, I'll, you know, on a snowball's day in hell, you yeah. know. But, hey, we'll have, we'll have to see. Stranger things have happened. And, I mean, fish are swimming together, uh, you know, in a, in a narrow band along the Gulf Coast of, coast of Florida for no reason. So, I mean, why not indict the neocons? I mean, let's see. 
It, now, already, the, the, the Newsweek is running an article, August 15, 2005, issued the departure this week of Deputy Attorney General James Comey. They're talking about that. He's done. He's gone off and accepted the opposed to General Counselor Lockheed Martin. He's gone. So that Comey That's what, Fitzgerald's boss. That's he's, Fitzgerald's boss. So they fired yeah. him. Yeah. Wow, what's that tell you? And, and so now Bush is <clears throat> putting his own guy in there. So a, a skull and bones guy. A guy named Robert out. McCallum. And he's a bones The trouble man? is, he's a Yaley. He's a oh. skull and bones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Great. Now, what is he going to try to do? Fire Fitzgerald? Well, it turns out that the way Fitzgerald was deployed in all this, they can't really fire him. And I haven't quite figured that out yet, but they cannot fire, legally fire him. It's the latest word, and I haven't got it. But the, the grand jury can the still take General off on The Attorney General Albert Gonzalez recused, you know, and then they put up right. his, his deputy up there to, to organize this whole, this whole whole grand jury inquiry. And well, call me, say, I, I'm out of here. <laughs> 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 I got a better job. I'm going to go work for Lockheed Martin. There I'm you go. The skunk works. And go make. build some bombs. <laughs> so now uh, they're trying to put in Bush's buddy. General, uh, uh, General Robert McCallum is likely to be named as acting deputy AGADOG official who asked not to be identified oh, because of the sensitivity of the matter tells Newsweek. But McCallum may be seen as having his own conflicts. He's an old friend of President Bush's and a member of the Scarlet class at Yale. There you go. And one question, how much authority Comey's success will have over Fitzgerald? Well, I, I, just before I came online today, there's a whole debate now, which I've linked, that, that declared that's in the declaration. They can't really fire Fitzgerald. <clears throat> they might take him out another way. <laughs> they yeah, scare him to death or, <laughs> or you know, threaten his family or something. And Fitzgerald, <laughs> who seems to be doing a really good job, you know, and he really is a genius, you know, especially going after corruption. He has a long record of doing this. Really? Yeah. Well, my, but what, but hmm. it doesn't matter anyway because it's a runaway grand jury. Right. If, that, if that's <laughs> the case, it doesn't matter who the boss is, right? Yeah. In other words, they can't shut down the grand jury. Or can they? I don't know. Martial law? No more grand jury. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, at any rate, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I saw a hat on with attorney written on it with a felt tip pen, but I don't know, and that's why I put up called the sleuth because the, this is the this is the pot belly stove at the Norman Rockwell best. We sit around here, and if somebody knows what the heck is going on. Well, there's uh, another article from Time about the same thing. So Time and Newsweek. I mean, these are. We got mainstream. We got yeah. mainstream people that are talking about what's the something strange is going on in this investigation and this guy Fitzgerald and this grand jury. I mean, me, I mean, sure you can extrapolate and say, well, it's 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 a stretch to say that means that they're looking for indictments to, to be uh, served on the Bush Cheney gang, but but something's going on and they just fired his boss. If you want to under, if you want a good read, go to the top of my page. Go through all this. Uh, I've skull. got it in, enclosed in a box here, so you won't miss it on the top of my page. Go to Citizen Spook blog, right? And he'll explain 
terms and the semantics and all that. He's got to be a former attorney or something because that guy's really on the ball and he knows the. La he really makes a point of explaining the language, which is pretty interesting in this case. About yeah, these... and the semantics are so delicate. If wow. you don't phrase your questions correctly, you won't get a decent answer. Right, and, any the, of these people. and the responses sometimes have sort of hidden meanings in, that, in, in them just because of the way that they're phrased. It's legal, legal stuff. It really is. It's amazing. I was really sort of enlightened when I when I when I read that uh, Citizen Spook blog. That was pretty uh, pretty interesting stuff. I thought so. Now there's a chance here, people, that this could all just be disinformation too. Right. We've got to be it's careful. Very possible. It's more and more as I've been out uh, uh, surfing the internet, trying to figure out what's going on, especially in politics, there's more and more incident in the forums and in what you get in email and in the published news from mainstream or on the internet website. There seems to be more sort of reverse propaganda, which is at the higher level, you know, where they, they'll, they'll troll out a, a certain bit of information which contains a core of truth, and then they'll spin a whole bunch of flotsam, cosmic flotsam around it. <laughs> you know, which is all baloney, right. BS. You know, and, uh, and they'll do that in order to discredit people who are on the internet and seriously investigating things. You know, they'll feed them a, a carrot. You know, but that carrot is rotten at the core. And what it'll turn out to be later on down the line is somebody who is like, like I consider myself. I, you know, I'm an genuine researcher, you know, because uh, I want to know what's going on, but I might grab a bad piece of carrot, you know, and that, that would discredit, you know, what I'm trying to do. <clears throat> and what am I trying to do? I'm trying to be a citizen, you know. And uh, so we have to be careful and use discrimination on this and try to figure out what's going on. It takes a sixth sense almost mm -hmm. when you're dealing with this huge... Uh, internal universe called the internet it takes a sixth sense and a, a, a feeling for all of this to see if we're being fed good stuff or bad stuff and well it certainly takes that when you watch the freaking mainstream news you know I don't even you know, I watch the mainstream news now and I just can't take it anymore because it all seems like garbage yeah I couldn't I mean it's it's amazing because I haven't watched it in so long that 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 my perspective is, I mean, I don't even have one anymore. It's like I've become so removed from that scene. You know, it's funny that you know, and the reason I sort of do it now, there are a couple of reasons, but one of them is because I have a son and I don't have the TV on pretty much when my kids are around. But you know, one of the truisms, one of the great truisms that sort of came out of the new age, and that uh, that I that I think is something that we talk about now is this this idea that images can heal you know and but nobody ever talks about the contra implication of that 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 images can also make you sick you know and we're constantly bombarded by uh, this the, the stuff that uh, is designed almost to make you crazy and so I just decided that Hell, hell, I'm crazy enough. So I'll sort of go out and gather information on my own, sort it out with my own eyes and my own intelligence, and just, like you say, try to use my 
intuition to determine where I think it, where I think it's going. And I, and, and I never think I know what's going on. I'm just trying to get some idea of where, just to try to be ahead of the curve, you know, when the flash hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you go by intellect, you go by hunch. Yeah. You go by intuition, you go by logic, do both. And my intuition right now is telling me, like we said a few minutes ago, that some of the most powerful people in this country right now are the matriarchs, the women. And right under this, uh, if you go to cyberspaceorbit.com, right under this oh, loop where, where, where we're trying to find out if, <laughs> if our leaders in our country, all of them have been arrested, Bush has run off to Saudi Arabia somewhere, Net Netanyahu, who might be sort of wrapped up in this whole mess. Mm just quit his job, you know. Yeah, it is interesting that, that, that uh, President Bush is in Saudi Arabia now. <laughs> yeah. After, especially after Fahd just, uh, King Fahd just died, and there's a question about power struggle that may be ha happening in Saudi Arabia well, right now. What's his name? Blair's main, main critic in his own cabinet. Yeah, Robin Cook. He just died mysteriously. Right, Peter Jennings just died. Peter Jennings, and there's the former ECB chief, Duesenberg found dead. Right, another one Next of those. City Group, Baker's ankle, dead in a fall. These are all major players of what we call, like to call, quote unquote, Illuminati, the mysterious Illuminati. Well, yeah, I mean, New World Order sort of types. Sheesh. A guy named Leonard Ingrams is dead. Are you kidding me? <clears throat> when did that happen? Gosh, I don't know. I have to click on it. No, that's all right. I just didn't know Ingram was dead. I knew about He's the other dead. guys. Huh. Yahoo is a quit to protest Israeli pullout. Robin Cook yeah, is dead. That. That. Novak, what's he doing? He's walking off the set. At swearing at people. And swearing at people. Well, there's something being shaken up for sure. I mean, there's a lot going they on. They say Hannity's and... in trouble. Fox is in trouble. Well, I mean... These are, there's a bunch of really mad grand jury people. They're going, they don't want to just kick Robin, but they want to go after all of them. Well, I mean, you know, you play with fire, you got to be careful. And <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, these guys have, the mask has been off for quite some time, and there have been a lot of people for, uh, for since long before 9-11, you know, uh, people that were screaming, hey, look out, look out, these guys are not what they appear to be. Uh, and They're not born again. No, I mean. The, They're skulls. Ooh, they do weird things and yeah, creepy bunch and 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 sure enough, 9/11 went down. Regardless of what people think about that, there's a lot that we don't know. That's for sure. Whether you whether you, whether you buy the official line or not, um, uh, or whether well, I certainly don't buy the official line. I'm not sure what what actually happened. I don't know any of it. It's so difficult to get information, and the waters have been muddied so much. But something very very strange and significant happened that day. And uh, ever since then, things have not been the same. And as much as it's been tried to be painted over and forgotten about by the mainstream media, it has not been forgotten about. And Kent, you're right. There are a bunch of uh, families, and in particular mothers and grandmothers and women, who are saying, we will not take these answers. This is BS, and we know it, and we are going to push. And they are pushing. I love it. Uh, look at what Kay Griggs is doing. Kay Excuse Griggs, me. man. Look, it's top of the hour. We're getting past our break. We'll come back and we'll talk about Kay Griggs a little bit. We got another hour with uh, Kent Stedman from www.cyberspaceorbit.com. 
We're talking politics, which we typically don't do, but what the hey, it's 1 o'clock uh, on a Monday night in August. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We'll be back to do a little bit more of it on Radio Orbit. This is KOPN Columbia, and uh, back in just a few minutes, this is Mike and Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com.
Right, this is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. That's a song called Exodus Damage from uh, a guy whose name is John Vanderslice. All right, and my guest is Kent Stedman from www.cyberspaceorbit.com. Kent, you with me here? Yeah, I am. All right. I'm looking at an article. Mom protesting Iraq war meets Bush AIDS. The angry mother of a fallen U.S. soldier staged her own protest near President Bush's ranch Saturday, demanding an accounting from Bush of how he has conducted the war in Iraq. Yeah, right down there in Texas, right, at his ranch. Yeah. <laughs> she is a bit shaken up by some of the uh, Gestapo there, apparently. I'm sorry, is that a loaded term? Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm just annoyed. Well, I mean, they treated her like, I mean. We're brave up, buckos. We may get it wrong. We may use the wrong terms. We may not understand the legalities and all this, you know. But you don't treat a woman like they treated her. I mean, I mean, when she, I mean, read some of what the cops did there. They treated her like, you know, typical is what it was. Oh, she said that the people, actually, she said that the people that, the, the, were nice men. He said they were nice men. I told them Iraq was not a threat to the United States and that now people are dead for nothing. <laughs> I told them I wouldn't leave until I talked to George Bush. So I guess the Gestapo, the, the, the security around the ranch weren't really that bad. So I take it back. Hmm. Okay. In other words, she used the mom voice on them is what she did. You, ever, you know what the mom voice is out there? That's how you do it with your children, and they're being naughty. Use that voice on them. And Kay Griggs, who was married to uh, the colonel that ran the uh, psyops for NATO, <laughs> she rented him a room in her house. Yeah, who is Kay? Who's Kay Griggs? She's a Virginia lady. Okay. She's an ordinary person. Except she's been around the world a lot. She's been had certain diplomatic posts, and she's on the inside. And uh, she's also naming names. And she married this guy, Colonel Frank, I think it was Griggs. Mm -hmm. They married this guy, and and she didn't know what she was getting. He was a handsome military colonel, but when he got drunk. <laughs> When he got drunk, he I think it was really, really bad. I think it was George Griggs, right? Yeah, George. George Griggs. is it George Griggs? Yeah. Lieutenant Colonel George Griggs. All right. So what would he do? He'd get drunk and he'd get drunk, then he'd beat the crap out of her. Oh, great! And so she got even. Wait till he sleeps. She grabbed his. Uh, she she. While he was drunk. Grabbed his what? While, while he was drunk, <laughs> he also had a tenant. Huh? Grabbed his what? <laughs> his diary. Ah. What did I say? Okay, nothing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he probed him for information, and he started spilling a whole lot of stuff, you know. And then she got a hold of his diary. Okay. And now she's uh, going on the Internet naming names. She's not holding back. And he was the big time, right? He was... He was big time. He was a neocon. Buddies with with uh, Rummy and Cheney. Oh, man. And carrying on the neocon agenda on their behalf. He was actually a hitman. That's what he was. According, now this, now this, according to Kay Griggs. Right. Now he this was a military woman, assassin. 
And also he was the commander of, of the whole science. Well, what Kate Griggs says, and I hope I get this right. Go listen for yourself, please. And she did eight hours, right? There's eight hours. And of, eight hours of, of, of military black ops underground. A video of her basically just spilling the beans. And what she's saying is I mean, that... you got to hear know, it to believe it. She's saying what we're all kind of really gun-shy about, that after World War II, they brought all the old Nazis over under Project Paperclip. They brought them over here. That we all talk about. We've talked about that many times, and lots of different, uh, you know, lots of different scientists talk about it because it happened in so many different fields. She's naming names. Here's what she says. After I learned from George about Rummy, as he called him, and idolized, as he called him, and he idolized him and the others, that they are all, is that they all operate from this secret little sick society and are basically cowards and bullies. And I don't believe I should ever keep quiet about who they are because the only way we are going to change their behavior is to shed light on what they're doing and show how ludicrous, sick, and inept their behavior really is. She calls them immature little boys. Yeah, she just I'm goes after him. And I mean, it gets intense, and I don't know how deep we want to get into it. I think I, we, we might just suggest that people go uh, there and, and, and look for yourselves, but uh, it's not... It's real, real serious. The it's stuff. Really that, serious. Real serious. What Kay Griggs talks about, and uh, and it's it's just very serious, and it's something that people should avail themselves to and to, and to listen because you can look at again the sixth sense that you're talking about, Kent. When you watch a woman uh, like this make her statements or whatever, and again, there's eight hours of it, and I've watched a significant part of it, and I get the point, you know. Uh, I got the point long before eight hours, but at any rate, you know, the sincerity comes across, and and again, there's an intuition and an experiential thing from, you know, from research that we've done in the past. That yeah, it isn't all just hunt. See, we were yeah. right there with, we yeah. had a, uh, we had a, a, a media transmission when 9-11 came down. We had a, what do you call it, a... A wire, basically. We had a wire. Yeah. Because a lot of the wire was down at that point. A lot of it was on top of the World Trade Center. And a lot of the media uh, microwave dishes. But we had a wire. And, and what we did is we organized a uh, command center for months and months and months trying to figure out what's going on. And what we began to see is something that really twisted me around from just being an artist space cadet researcher into thinking that suddenly I have to become political or I'm not comfortable uh, with my own citizenship anymore and I may not get it right and there may be agendas that I don't understand uh, you know yeah. but uh, I'm going to go back to what, what my beloved and respected great grandfather did with his buddies and that's sit around and talk about it. Talk about it, yeah. And I, and I would also like to add Cynthia McKinney to the Brave Americans list. Hmm. Boy, that'll, that'll ruffle some feathers just there, just mentioning her name. She drives the the, the, the right-hand side of the spectrum, even though I don't usually play the right-left game, but she drives the that side crazy. And she's uh, currently, recently, been grilling Rumsfeld on Dynacorp sex rigs, missing Pentagon trillions, and 9-11 war games <laughs> <laughs> and you can listen to her 
Ma McKinney going after these guys. Well, what was her story? She was a congresswoman from Georgia, and then she lost her seat or something. She fought her way back. And then she got it back. The right? hell with this. I'm going back. He was one of the... <clears throat> uh, Amazing. He was one of the brave voices of dissent when everybody else was jumping on, let's go to war and kill Osama bin Laden for masterminding this attack on our symbol of greatness, you know, from his cave in Afghanistan. She was saying, yeah, there's something else going on here, guys. Mm -hmm. that You know, and she was the only voice of caution and dissent uh, of anybody in, in, the, in the Congress. You know? Mm -hmm. And so, amazingly, she suddenly gets uh, mysteriously defeated. And then uh, she fights her way back, gets back, and now she's on the panel grilling these guys. <laughs> Yeah, I read the transcript, and she was all over Rumsfeld. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so now Rumsfeld, allegedly, they've got indictments against him. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. All right. they got indictments, and the word is out. The rumor is out. This is unsubstantiated. <laughs> I don't know. Please forgive me if I'm wrong, because we got a sleuth going here, and the word is out. The Bush is saying, well, if you... If you if you try to arrest me, I'm just going to destroy the economy of America permanently. <laughs> there you go. As if he hasn't already. <laughs> hmm. I'm well, going to get even, says, I mean, says it, it, Georgie. Well, it seems to me that, you know, if, if someone's got... I, the whole thing is almost unfathomable to me, to be honest. Uh, if it's really the case that there are indictments that are coming down against these guys, I mean, I'll be just to be frank. I mean, just in my own my own world, you know, in my own mind, I think that would be a miracle. It would. In uh, fact, when I, this first started happening, I was going nah. But this, but I have read a lot, and I and I don't discount a lot of what I've re what I've reading. I mean, I know there's something going on with this investigation. So, I, I, first, my first reaction was wow. My second reaction is no, they're baiting us. They're baiting Tom Flacco and uh, Skolnick and these guys, and they're right. baiting them to discredit them. Right. And then, and then my third reaction was wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on with this grand jury? Who are they? Hmm. Are they run away? Are they doing their own thing? Are they going after these guys? So we don't know yet. We don't know yet. And it's dangerous. If they success, on, uh, whatever it is, it's dangerous. <laughs> really dangerous. Right. Because I personally believe these guys are uh, are off the wall. <laughs> and uh, to protect their own hides, they'll do anything. Well, that's pretty obvious by now. I think if for anybody who's watching, you've seen what they're capable of doing. I mean, they'll do anything. That doesn't I mean a few, few lives to these guys is just like chips in a poker game, man. But for all of you people out there that are supporters of George Bush and so on, I don't know. I, you might be. I, I will say this in a voice of caution. I don't know whether you're right or wrong in all this. I don't know if Georgie Boy <laughs> is a puppet of a. More sinister force that, that, that he, you know, Clinton said that when he got into office, he thought he was going to be a commander in chief, and he found out really quickly that it that he wasn't in charge of beans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is Bush in the, is that why Bush and Clinton are hanging out a lot together? Going, oh wow, we're <laughs> the least powerful people on earth. We're not the most powerful people on earth. We're the least powerful people on earth. 
Well, it's, I mean... And we've got a hard job. You know, we've got the worst job on the face of the planet right now. So I don't know. Well, history tells us and shows us repeatedly that, that those in power are usually not the ones on the front page. They're usually uh, people in the background whose names are much less familiar. Yeah, that looks like some of them might be jumping out of 20-story buildings right now. Yeah, in the last last week or so, as you mentioned earlier at the beginning of this, uh, at the beginning of the hour, there have been quite a few sort of big names in those circles that have ended up dead, or in the last uh, last week or so. Strange stuff, man. Read Kay Griggs. He doesn't mess around. Yeah, check that. He doesn't <laughs> work in sort of a lofty sort of theory. You know, well, I think this is like I am. I think this is what is going on. But gosh, I don't know. <laughs> who am I? He just names names. He just rattles out and tells who's who and what's going on. And and uh, there are a bunch of SOBs, you know, and we got to get them out of there quick. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, says, mean, and, you're, and you're being kind. Yeah, she says who they are and where they are and what they're doing and what they've been doing and what level of perversion they're involved in. You and know? it's a 6-6 six, six story. I mean... It's hard to handle. It is. It's tough to listen to and it's tough to watch. And it, But it's something that... Uh, again, if you you know if you watch this stuff, it's real. I mean, it's been going on for a long, long time, and it's uh, uh, it, it 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 has to it has to be exposed in order to end it. And it I, may have gone on back to the Great War. You know, these bones guys, yeah, these bones guys go back to Stimson, World War Two, right? His Hegelian philosophy, you know, stir everything up. Bait both ends of, edges, ends of the spectrum. You know, finance, Hitler, go ahead. We'll make some money off that. Right. But what Kay Griggs is saying, yeah, what they're doing and why. He says what they're doing, but the why of it, she just simply says they're selling weapons. Just a big money making game. Yeah. Yeah, look at Carlisle. That's what it's all about. I mean, look at the Carlisle. Selling guns. If you look at the connections just between Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld, those three guys, and then look at Carlisle, Halliburton, and the subsidiaries of all those companies, right there, you just see. I mean, it's 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 right there. And I mean, that's obviously a huge money-making game. Gosh. I mean, that's and that's obvious. That that doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, in between. That's obvious. That should be obvious to you, uh, regardless of your political the spectrum that you sit on but anyway we have a right as citizens to investigate look at citizen spook man yeah that guy's something else or we that. have the right to investigate and we have the right to get it wrong too if we get it wrong that's okay too because what we're, we're exercising our our citizenship if it still exists well, and the thing is to recognize when you're wrong and to move on and try to correct your mistakes and try to learn from it, as opposed to the, you know, the the, the the orthodox methodology of the mainstream media is to bury the truth. And if you make a mistake, bury that until the point where you have to release it, and then find a way to spin it so it doesn't make you look so bad, etc. I mean, the, the the key to any sort of investigative journalism or search for truth of any kind has to begin with. Uh, people going in to do the investigation without preconception and actually really wanting to know the truth and what's going on, regardless of where the evidence leads them. And if it leads them to an ugly place, well, report about the ugly place. Know what I think's going on? I think uh, I think there's an indictment out, and they're going to try to arrest George Bush, 
That's what I think is going on. They're going to try to arrest Cheney and Rumsfeld, who are... Cheney and Rumsfeld are the secret government. They Yeah, they have been for a long time. During the Cold War, yeah. they were spirited off to, to the Falcon's Nest and other places like that, and they formed a secret government under the uh, under a security agenda. Well, if we get nuked, you know, then we have an alternative government here. And then they just surfaced and took over. Mm -hmm. They said, well... We're not going to be underground anymore. We're taking over the country. Yeah. That's what I think is going on. And now I think a bunch of brave moms are out there going to just bust them. That's what I think. Well, But, you know, I could be wrong. Gosh. Sorry. Well, of course. I mean, anything could be wrong. <laughs> and like I said before, you can trivialize anything. But, hey... I'm with you. I, you know, I've been saying for a long time, you know, you and I talk about the imagination. And, of course, I think when we when we finish the show at the end of, uh, for the the last half hour or whatever, maybe we can uh, talk about that a little bit. But I've had the idea for a long time that the best story wins. <laughs> you know, that's the way I look at history. Government being shared myth and all. And if right. the myth starts to disintegrate, the government disintegrates. That's right. So I'm all for <clears throat> disintegrating that myth. And I'm 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 all for it, and I think that's a great story. I'd love to see a bunch of, you know, uh, uh, I the the patriarchy itself has been an absolute disaster for how long? It's obvious. And again, one of these things that's in your face that if you can't figure that out, uh, that that we need a change of pace. And I don't mean to swing the complete opposite way. I think that balance is always the key to these things that we never seem to be able to achieve. But uh, the, the, the women standing up and saying, hey, you know, and it's their husbands and their sons. And, and, and I'm glad that they're asking questions and holding people accountable. That's what we need, regardless of where it leads. And, again, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know who's right or wrong either. Maybe these guys are fighting for our lives, and we don't even know it. I mean, how could we know the truth these days? They spin everything so... Badly, and we, we we don't have access to good information for the most part. So who knows what's really going on at those levels? But you got to appreciate the fact that mothers and wives are getting involved and saying, "Hey, enough of this stuff!" Without us knowing what the hell is going on. I was a hippie. I went. You were. Hippie. What do you mean were? <laughs> well, no. I you was see that picture really on my homepage? <laughs> I went through the '60s and did hippie things. You know, and my whole agenda was to become cosmic and try to understand <laughs> things beyond Earth. And beyond the Beltway and beyond everything, because right. I was sick of it. Hmm. And so I did all kinds of, went through all kinds of strange rituals to try to penetrate that veil, you know, because that's what I wanted to do. Because I felt we were, this is the story of mice and men down here on Earth, and I've got to figure out what's really, really going on. Mm -hmm. You know, that's dangerous too. Tell me about it. <laughs> that is dangerous. You know, if you don't take care of your backside. If you don't take care of the nitty-gritty, you know, the, <clears throat> there, there can be, the, there's a dark agenda, too. You know, and even if you're seeking cosmic enlightenment and, the, and if you're a new-agey sort of a hippie guy, you know, that might be where the dark, where the dark wizards, <laughs> I call them, really want you to be because you're out of the picture, man. You're like the Wandervogel in Germany, the yeah, hip, yeah. hippies in Germany that got, they got, uh, disgusted was protesting over industrialization, seeing their beautiful countryside being torn up by the machine age, you know. And they just kind of gave up. They decided to go up with, in the mountains and and uh, 
uh, have gurus from Tibet and uh, and follow them and seek self-realization. Well, okay, that's cool. They're all up in the Alps. So let's take over. Let's round up the bikers now. Okay, in the meantime. Let's round up the bikers and go take take over downtown Berlin. Because you know, all, all, the whole generation is up there seeking self-realization. We don't want to do that again, do we? I mean, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Life can get really miserable for our cosmic selves and our cosmic children and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> if suddenly we find ourselves in a position where we can't even say anything without getting arrested, you know. No doubt. No doubt. I agree with you, man. All right, well. Good way to finish that part of the hour, I think, Kent. Let's take let, 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 let's take let's take a break here. Then we'll go back to cosmic. Then we'll get back, we'll get cosmic for the we'll last talk half about hour of the show. Yeah, my rape birth. How's that? Yeah, let's start with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. My guest is Kent Stedman from CyberspaceOrbit.com, and we'll be back with him in just a few minutes. In the meantime, this is the Tragically Hip with Scared. Thank you. 
Widener, and you're listening to the Alchemical Airwaves of Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia 89.5 FM. All right, thanks uh, to Jay Widener for that. Jay out there in Seattle as well, Kent, and I don't know if you've had a chance to get in touch with Jay yet, but uh, you're a couple guys that should uh, be collaborating out there uh, for sure together. He's a really, really amazing, interesting guy. I really, Jay, if you're out there, I want to talk to you. I've, my family's experience here has been really intense lately. I've been really being a dad and a grandson and so on. I've got Grandma living here, and she's not well. And, uh, got a baby coming in the family? I got a baby coming. Yeah. And as the parent, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, the parent, the father's compassion, the mother's compassion. Is Kay Griggs really... You know, is what's going on here? Is she is she a spurned wife trying to get even, or is she a mother that doesn't want to see her children, you know, get blown to bits somewhere in Iraq? And and we got to say that there's a third uh, thing. I mean, I I don't know. You know, people have to make their own decision, but there's there there's a chance that she's not on the level, that she's disinformation of some sort, that she's a spook herself, or something like that. Yeah. Some are saying, ah, she's a commie. You know, but she, in her dialogue, she, she points out who the commies are. You know. 
They really are. That's that, the crazy thing. And some of these commies are people who say, oh, well, wait a minute, how can a Republican be a yeah. commie? But then I, you know, uh, Father's Compassion, you know, what happened to these people? Well, I'm looking here, uh, looking in New Zealand. They got this pizza, <laughs> and the uh, the uh, the New Zealand people have this thing called Hell Pizza. <laughs> you order pizza, you call Hell Pizza. And they got these big billboards all over oh, <laughs> New Zealand right now. The billboard is half of it says a little blurb at the bottom says, "Oh, order help pizza." Here's the number. Da, 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 da. But the billboard is a big picture of George Bush, <laughs> right? And he's got these red letters six sixty six and these glowing red eyes. And then to the right of it, it says, "Even hell has its standards." <laughs> <laughs> right, and then people are all up in an uproar about it. I love it. The rest of the world is not with us, <laughs> you know. And in fact, the evil France might have just saved our butts. But I won't go into that story because I don't know what's going on. Yeah, uh, but and I'm sitting there looking at George Bush. Who the heck is George Bush? He's somebody's little kid. Well, did you see he flipped off somebody else again the other day? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy. I mean, no offense, but I mean, he's the president of the United States of America he's supposed to be able to handle himself regardless of the situation that he's in in a manner that is not like like a spoiled brat college frat boy and I'm sorry maybe that's the image that they're trying to project I've maintained for quite a while that they try to make him look like that and so maybe that's just an extension maybe he's really playing the role well but uh, to me it's just an unacceptable uh, manner of behavior for the president of of our country, and he's done it repeatedly. Ever. I mean, even during the gubernatorial days in Texas, and I mean, it's sort of comic. It's like it's Saturday Night Live-ish, you know. What just, happened to him? Just flips though? people off. I mean, what happened to this little boy called George Bush? Was he abused? Well, that's what you gotta wonder. I mean, imagine growing up in that family. Well, I mean, if I had to go to college, if my daddy bought me a a, a place in Yale, and then the next thing I know, here's. The bonesman got here's me in the, the crypt. Here's the bonesman saying, hey, you're one of us whether you like it or not. Now, here's what you're going to do. Right. And what, half of what you have to do is really odd and very perverse, you know, to the point where once you go through their initiation, their hazing and their rituals, you know, you you had it, you know. Right. You can never do anything else because they've got you. <laughs> I mean, they've got you. And, I mean, you know. There's a blackmail aspect of it, you know, but that that, that builds the uh, the loyalty to the group. And they'll say, okay, you got to take this here cool oath. You know? Right. Oh, the oath is Repeat cool, after yeah. me: If I break my solemn vow and spill the beans on my fellow members here of the Chippery Chipmunk Treehouse Society, why then it's okay for them to flay me alive and pull out my heart eat it to the buzzards, amen. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what kind of place does that put you in? So what do you do? You go out and get drunk a lot, and then you maybe snort some cocaine, you know, and uh, you get really messed it, yeah. up, you know, and they send you into the military, and they fly this jet, and, yeah, man, this is, not, this is scary, I'm not going to do this anymore, goodbye. You know, you out drink some more, and then maybe someday you start sobering up, you know, and you start, and somebody comes along and says, well, turn to Jesus, you know. And, and maybe that's a good thing, but it could be manipulated, too, you know. Mm. 
Uh, good, now you've turned to Jesus. We will make you the... Uh, uh, the spokesman for our whole Christian world, you know. Right. And, oh, man, what kind of stuff has he been through? You know, and... Uh, well, that's what, you know... Well, maybe we do need to, like he tried to do, try to find his spiritual roots. Well, call it what you want. I was down there, but uh, what gets really weird about it, I was down at the community college trying to get uh, one of my family members uh, enrolled here. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting out on the lawn. I didn't want to go in there. <clears throat> and uh, I was sitting on the lawn waiting for her to come out and, and go through her applications. And, and out comes this... Uh, Looks like an Ethiopian Muslim young lady, really beautiful, mm -hmm. sincerely beautiful. She comes out and puts a prayer uh, blanket that unrolls it from her knapsack, mm -hmm. unrolls it out on the lawn, and bows to Allah, you know. Right. And I'm thinking, man, there's a whole civilization of people that do that. They go out, millions and millions of people. How many times a day? Yeah, five times a day. And they lower. They, they put their blankets on the ground and they bow to their God, you know. And so what are we going to do? We're going to say, oops, wrong God. <laughs> wrong God, you know. Duke him. <laughs> no, but I was just so impressed by the spirituality of this incident that I saw this young lady, you know, in, in humility before her, her, her you know, symbol of faith, her right. all, you know. And I'm thinking, these are the people that we're, we're going to go... But, you well, know, you know, see, th this is the problem, you know, it's the, or, or one of the problems is that uh, culture, you know, play the the game of culture is it's sort it sort of plays a game of uniformitarianism, you know, you know, regardless of the culture. In 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 our case, uh, the game is that uh, you and I, we. Americans, we are all alike. We are all created equal. And, you know, if you can believe that at, at, a, at a sort of fundamental level, at an operational level, well, then I have some marshland in Florida that I would like to sell to you. I'll take it. You know? Uh, the, the the truth of the matter that that Terence used to talk about, as a matter of fact, was that uh, you're you're not even created equal to yourself. You know, you're not the same person that you were yesterday, and you're not the same person that you're going to be two weeks from today. Uh, much less equal to anybody else. But so culture tries to play this game of simplification because if you can tell everybody that they are alike, if you can make them think alike, make them buy alike, uh, make them worship alike, well, if politics demands it, you can make them fight and die alike. And so, you know, after thinking about that for a while, and, you know, it turns out that the uniformitarian agenda of society or of culture is probably not in the best interest of the individual regardless of whether it's uh, Western capitalism or uh, Marxist communism or, or, or you know or Islam from the East 
the key is the individual. Yeah, and I can see a point, too, where you get so disgusted with institutionalization, whether it be political or religious or whatever, that you'll rebel. I've been through phases like that. Still do. You know, you rebel and say, oh, screw all this institutionalization. I'm going to think for myself. Mm -hmm. By golly, you know, I'm going to find my own mystery, uh, my own source of spirituality. Uh, but in this rebellion against the institution, you might throw the baby out with the bathwater, too. <laughs> you know, you just don't know. You just don't know. I mean, I'm getting old. I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm on my deathbed. Am I going to go back to my Christian roots and say, Jesus, save me, this is heavy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. He raised, he raised. <laughs> you know, I can't handle this dying shit. Excuse me, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> you can erase that off the other. Uh, but I can't handle it. I think we'll leave it. <laughs> I, I can't handle this dying stuff. Oh, yeah. and, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, Help me through this ordeal of right. life and death. Right. Well, yeah, the, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might go back to my fundamentalist roots, even though I'm, a, I'm so proud of the fact that I broke away from it. Well, the, I mean... The thing is, you're asked. I mean, we put a name on it. You know, we put a name on it. Somebody, whoever that is, whether you're calling on Jesus, who may be real, maybe is just as real as any and uh, anything else, uh, or maybe you call on Allah, or you call on Muhammad, or you call on Thoth, or you call on uh, you know whoever. But strength. To get through it, I guess you do whatever you got to do. Or you might just reject it all and say, I'm an existentialist. Right. What, what I'm going to do is make a pile of money and off with their heads. You know, right. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to get what I can get at the cost of anything, including other people's lives, because it's all stupid. <laughs> right. You can see how people go that route, too. Yeah, it's obvious. I mean, that's the only way we end up in a position like we are. In fact, I think that's all, that's probably the dominant uh, the, the dominant uh, idea that's reigning the planet right now, and that's what's meanwhile, driving down to the ground. I mean, you know. Meanwhile, out there in space, there are things happening. You know, we're seeing for the first time. I'm going to get cosmic again. I love to just ping pong back and forth. All right, cool. I'm going to get cosmic again. There are these events happening out in space that have got all of us scratching our heads, <laughs> wherever we're coming from, including the astrophysics community. There are events so powerful that we can't account for for them, and they're called gamma ray bursts. There are regions in space where an, an explosion will take place, and the explosion is so powerful that it threatens all of our knowledge, all of our understanding, all of our mathematics. Einstein maybe have been wrong, you know. Mm. There's something that's going on in between the veil of what we call the three-dimensional three reality and maybe a subspace another reality or maybe that isn't the answer at all but something's going on and it's happening every day and it's so incredibly awesome that uh, it probably uh, broadcasts its way through the universe affects the sun affects all the planets affects galaxies and affects the earth mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and so here we are uh, and another way of looking at these dinky little mites crawling around on the surface of the planet when the voice of God is so apparent right now, the voice of Zeus, the voice of the Almighty or of the Creator. It may be the creative force itself. It may be the Genesis signal. You know, and it's happening every day now almost. And uh, 
a burst of such incredible energy that we can't account for it at all. I mean, we don't understand it at all. Yeah, there was one a couple of days ago that was that lasted 150 seconds. Remember that? It was a huge, long-lasting outburst that had n a number of different peaks. <laughs> and that one event was so powerful that it could account for all the matter. If you put it through Einstein's right. equation, it could account enough energy to account for all the matter in the known universe. And these happen every day. Yeah, there's six of them on the board right now. Six of them uh, within the last three days. That's an average of two a day for the last three days. Absolutely amazing. And we're seeing that when these gamma ray bursts happen, there's a, we're sleuthing it and watching it. We've got a watch going to see what the sun does. And there's some uh, accumulated, I wouldn't even call it a theory. I'm not a scientist. I, I won't, so I won't call it a theory. I'll just call it a seat of the pants hunch, which is fine by me. <laughs> you know, that the that when these gamma ray bursts bust into our universe, that our sun reacts, and when our sun reacts, the Earth reacts. Hmm. It's hot now on Earth. Earth is really hot. Well, you know, Ken, let me jump in because. Uh, I read a story, well, two things real fast. I read a story about this, the, the, the guy from the International Space Station, he said that the pl planet looked like the word you used a few minutes ago, and that there was dust and dirt, and that it just looked like uh, like crap from uh, from the way that he had seen it over the years, and he'd been there for many years, over the last 15 years, or many times, I should say, been up in space. Anyway, I talked to Paradise Newland uh, yesterday, uh, she's, you may remember, she's the woman who works with Dr. Michael Heisen with the dolphins out in uh, Hawaii, right? And Great people. She, yeah, real cool people. And she was in Los Angeles when I talked to her, and she told me that she has never felt the water on the West Coast uh, Pacific there as warm as it was uh, just last week. She said, she, she said to me, like, seriously, she's like, she's like, Mike, this is real. She's like, the water off the coast of California, I have never felt it like that. She's like, I will never go in there and go surfing or anything because it's always been too cold for me. He said, and it feels like the Puna coast of Hawaii. So what's going on? You know, we don't know. Is it a spiritualization? But there are other places that are getting colder. Ooh. I mean, well, that's because the ice caps are melting. Yeah, so the whole thing is just in flux. We're at a cusp of some sort. Awesome, isn't it? It is awesome. So we ask, see, Mike and I ask a lot of questions, and the common answer we get is, well, the answer is it's all wondrous. Right. And, Ken, you know, I think for people, you know, I want to sort of end on a hopeful note, and for people to... I think one of the things that that helps is to realize that as much as these guys, whoever they might be, uh, appear to be in control or, or, or want to be in control, no one is in control. No one is in control of what's happening on this planet right now. There may be those who seek control. I, I'm, I'm willing to accept the fact, and it, you know, you know the. 
the communists or the or the Jews are behind everything or the Greys or you know the 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 Masons or whoever but to seek control you know is to bring great aggravation upon oneself these days I think and and I I just don't think that 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 there is a control like that in play and I think that anything can happen now and the best story just might win would you want to be the most powerful person on earth? I would. No way, man. Too much work. Tell me, tell me about it. I mean, Too much work. I mean, I'm basically lazy. I want to be like the lilies of the field and just sort of whacked in the wind. Yeah, I'd like to be like a hobbit. That's do I want to, Do I want to be president of the United States? No way. No. I, I would feel suddenly like the least free person on earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's got to bring just a tremendous amount of of grief with it and aggravation and would I want to be a Rothschild one of the richest men on earth no I wouldn't because then I'd have to take care of all that crap yeah I'd have to count and keep track of my money you know I, those guys must spend every waking moment keeping track of their freaking money I don't even know what money is <laughs> <laughs> I live on luck and uh I th which I think many of us do. You know, I look. I live here in Seattle. I'm not really a city fight type of guy. You know, I've moved from a farm to Seattle because uh, my daughter's one. Well, no, it was just wasn't their thing. It's just where we ended up. <laughs> and I look out there and I see all these people, which I'm not used to. I'm used to seeing uh, the guy running the farm north of me and the guy running the farm south of me. But I see all these people, and I ask myself, how do they make it? Hmm. You know, how do they survive? What's everybody doing? And <clears throat> the answer is, well, there's some factor, something going on that allows people to make it. Otherwise, they wouldn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have no logical explanation. How all these millions of people right around here out my window to... What are they doing to survive? Yeah. You know, how do they make money to buy food? All of them. You know, I don't know. And so I feel that there is a uh, spiritual factor even in this expression of materialism yeah. around me that allows people to, like the lilies of the field, to be on earth. It may not be the best pattern of culture that the world has ever seen. But still, they're making it, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how. Yeah. It's possible. Well, that's all you do, man. I mean, that's what we got to do. Like you say, we're in the midst of whatever this is, and so uh, just hold on, I guess, is all we can say, and, 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 and try to think of a good ending. <laughs> yeah. Know? But, I mean, it's sort of obvious that things are changing at a great rate, and it's hard to believe that things are just going to continue as is. It seems that, that something has to give. I mean, it's just unsustainable, all of these different things we've been talking about. I don't know. I don't uh, know, but the thing is, it's okay, everybody, to, to investigate, you know. It's okay to investigate. It's okay to look out there and look around you, you know. It's not only okay, we're driven by something in us that makes us really human. It's natural, human... Uh, uh, the imagination, the inquiry, 
the, the looking for for mystery. You know, it's okay to do that. Yeah. It's okay to do that. It's okay to. That's really mistakes. fun. It's yeah, it's fun, and it's okay to make mistakes doing that too. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> All right, Kent. Look, we're at that time again. So, as always, it's been a pleasure. Let's mention the website one more time. My guest has been Kent Stedman, www.cyberspaceorbit.com, and uh, it's been a pleasure. As always, the time just blows by. You know. I know. Just like when we're face to face. I know. It really is something else. But anyway, I appreciate your time as always, and uh, my uh, my love to the family. And I hope everything is going well with uh, uh, with uh, with your daughter. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, Everybody, this is Mike, and we're going to finish things off here with little Gordon Downey. We'll be back again in one week, and I'm not sure if we'll have a guest or not. We'll just see what happens. I'll put a promo on sometime during the week. We may have uh, somebody like John DePew on. We'll see, but I may just we may do open lines, or we'll see. But anyway, back in a week, and thanks for listening. RadioOrbit.com, and again, the email address, uh, OrbitRadio at AOL.com. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks for listening. This is Mike. You've been listening to Radio Orbit on KOPN Columbia. This is Gordon Downey from Coke Machine Glow. It's called Insomniacs of the World. Good night.